Blessed be the name of the Lord. Last week, um, when we were preparing to do the baptisms, Pastor Joey mentioned that we are given two sacraments to follow as uh, the people of God. We've been given baptism, and we've been given the sacrament that we call communion. Now, by definition, a sacrament is a, a, a ritual or a ceremony that needs to be followed. That's what a, a sacrament, the word sacrament simply means. And so the, the ritual or the ceremonies that we are called upon in the New Testament to follow is number one, baptism. Baptism is a public declaration that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. It is not something that is optional. It is something that is mandatory for every single person that has, in fact, embraced Jesus Christ as their Savior. We are supposed to have a public a moment where we go into the waters of baptism, and all that symbolizes, it's a, just a public proclamation. I am now a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. And I can say this, you're never really a true follower of Christ until you're baptized. So if some way, somehow, you have made a decision to embrace Christ as your Savior, and you have not yet to be water baptized, and I really want to encourage you, the next time we have that, make sure you sign up and obey God's word in that regard. Now, communion, that now proclaims why we have, in fact, put our faith in Christ. And today, I want to take a few moments to walk us through and remind us of why we have, in fact, put our faith in Christ and why we want to take part in communion, which we're scheduled to do in this service at, toward the end, uh, in honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. My thoughts come from 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. In beginning in verse 23, listen, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant. Everybody say new covenant. New covenant. An agreement between, excuse me, between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So communion, which again, we're going to take part at the end of this service. Uh, it represents the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, which ushered in this new covenant that we want to look at. Now, 
the word covenant there is not one that is used much in our vocabulary today, but it simply means a binding agreement or a contract, if you will, which is much more uh, understandable in our modern day vocabulary. So think about the, this new contract, if you will. We have the old covenant, which is represented in the Old Testament, and then we have the new covenant, which is representative of the New Testament. And we want this binding agreement, and it's between God and his people. And when we take the, the, the moment to observe the sacrament that we call communion, notice we are announcing or proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And to to better help us understand why we need to proclaim that and why we do this on a regular basis. And in our case, as a church, we've elected to always do the first Sunday of every month. Uh, we set that aside to, to partake of, com of this communion, the sacrament. So I want to look at, just for a few moments, why it's so important that we do that, why we, what we need to remind ourselves about. And what I have chosen to do to help us today in this message, I have titled it, Then and Now. Come on, say that with me. Then and Now. Then and Now is just simply a, a phrase that talks about a comparison be, between the way something was in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, and the way it is now in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. So there's three things I want to briefly go through, and then we're going to have communion. Uh, so then and now. Then, meaning the Old Testament times, in the Old Covenant, God's people followed the written law. Remember, Moses went up onto the mountain, and God wrote the law, uh, what we know as the Ten Commandments, on stone tablets. And then there are, and later on, he gave Moses the rest of the law, and Moses then uh, gave that to the people, and they were to follow every bit of that written law. That was then. Now... The Bible tells us that we, as God's people, we follow the law that is written in our hearts. Listen to what the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. But this is the new covenant. Everybody say new covenant. New covenant. This is God talking. I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. So in the old Testament, then the law was written on tablets of stone and they're, and they're more, uh, uh, transferred over to scrolls and the people had to follow it. That God said, that was then. But now, here's the new covenant I'm going to make. Here is the new agreement that I have with my people is I am going to write now, not on tablets of stone. I'm not going to write on, on paper. I am going to write right on their hearts. And this is speaking about the work of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us when we embrace Christ as our Savior. In other words, the Holy Spirit now gives us 
understanding because God said, no, I will write my laws on their minds. So in other words, what the Bible is teaching us is that the Holy Spirit now writes God's word in our minds and in our hearts. And what that translates to is, it's the Spirit of God that gives us understanding about God's Word and God's law, if you will. It's the Spirit of God that not only gives us understanding, but then transforms us by causing our will to yield to Him. That's the heart. You see, so you have the mind and the heart, which is the seat of the emotions and your will. So you have both of them that the Holy Spirit works on, and it is that that produces transformation in our life. Under then the Old Testament, the law was given, and the people of God had to look at it and try to implement it into their life and try to obey God as best as they could. But now in the New Testament, in this new covenant, God says, I am going to write it into your heart. And what that translates to you and I, then it was outside getting God's word that's outside getting it into our lives. Now it is the spirit of God getting God's word from within outside. There's the difference. Here it was outside taking it in. Here it is inside working out. That is the difference between then and now. And the reason why that's so critical is because then there was no transformation. There is no transformation. There, and when I talk about transformation, when our character now takes on the character of God, becomes righteous and holy, there is no transformation when you're trying to go from outside in. In other words, if you just take this book and try to obey it in and of yourself, you will never become righteous. You will never become holy. You will never take on the character of Christ. There is no transformation from outside in. There's only transformation when it's inside out. When the Holy Spirit Gives you understanding. Why is it that we can come week after week, month after month, year after year, and listen to God's word outside in and never change? Why? Because you see, all I can do is give you the word, but I can't get it in your heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. That's why when you and I come into a gathering like this or a Friday with the ladies, wherever it might be, in your home, when you're alone with God and you have your Bible open, you should always cry out to God, Lord, I need the Spirit of God to give me understanding, to open up my spiritual eyes so that I can see what is written here in stone can become written here in my heart. Where it can make change. It will change my character. See, when God writes on your heart, your character is not the same. It always changes when God speaks. That's why it's called revelation. Where all of a sudden, you can be in church and hear something that you've heard a gazillion times before. But that particular day, the Spirit of the Lord comes and he begins to write. 
And all of a sudden, something is happening inside. See, it's not outside, it's inside. And you respond to that. And next thing you know, your life begins to transform and change. Not because of what you took in, but what came out. The Spirit of God wrote on your heart and gave you that understanding and then the will to follow it through. That's why communion proclaims that we've put our faith in Jesus Christ. Because prior to that, I don't know about you, but I knew some of the Bible. I took religious instruction as a teenager. So I knew the Bible story. Most of us in this room, we live in a country that's extremely blessed. There's very few people that have never heard the gospel. So why is it that we don't have more Christians? It's simple. See, it's, it's not outside getting in. It's inside getting out. And that's why we are praying even now that in the next couple of weeks, when we're inviting friends and family, we've got to be praying. God, when they come, we just don't want them to be a spectator. We just don't want them to hear with his ears. You got to give them understanding, Lord. Let the Spirit of God work in their heart so that they would first, for the first time, understand just how much you love them and understand what the gospel is all about right on their hearts. Somebody want to see the Spirit of God right on your loved one's hearts. I want to see that. I want to see that. Why? Because that's the only time chain takes place. That's then and now. Here's another comparison between then and now. Then, in the Old Testament, under this old covenant, there were animal sacrifices were required for us to be cleansed from our sins. You had to have either a bull or a lamb, a ram, a turtle dove. And blood had to be spilled. An animal had to be sacrificed in order for our sins to be cleansed, to be washed away. That was the old covenant. But now, the blood of Jesus Christ is what cleanses us from our sins. For the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 2, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. And his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Then, when we falter and failed into sin, it required us to go find an animal and to sacrifice that animal. Now, because of what Jesus Christ did, his blood, which operates in eternity, which means the blood he spilled on Calvary over 2,000 years ago, is still effective today to cleanse away sin. But now... That means we need to be reminded of something. A couple of things that tend to happen to us from time to time if we're not careful. Because we can tend to think today that tears can gain forgiveness from God. Listen, as wonderful as tears are, because they express that we are sorry for what we have done, tears do not gain us forgiveness. 
Tears do not cleanse away our sins. We can make promises, God, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. You can make a thousand promises, but promises will never, ever cleanse away your sin. And penance. You can, tell, you can tell God, I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to make up for it. I, I, I grew up in a religion. Well, you got to say so many prayers and, and then you'll get forgiveness. Listen to me. Penance will never, ever cleanse away your sin. Those are all uh, traditions or religi religious uh, uh, things that what well, man has brought into the picture, thinking that that's going to gain God's heart to cleanse us away from all of our sins. But only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse away sin. And here's the thing that we again need to be reminded of. You don't need to add anything to the blood of Christ. When we try to add something, when we try to add tears, when we try to add promises, when we try to add penance, we are secretly telling God the blood of Jesus is not enough. So I'm offering this as well. Now that was then. Now is the blood of Jesus is powerful and effective to cleanse away sin. And when you are reminded of that, you also don't allow the accuser to put guilt and condemnation on you. Well, how do you know that sin is forgiven? Well, do you feel forgiven? Uh, well, well, but you've done that over and over again. And so God's not going to forgive you. In other words, the enemy who's the called in, the old, the, the, in Revelation, the accuser of the people of God, the accuser is always coming to you and, and I, and he's trying to get us to come to a place where we now lose faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, we begin to think for a moment, that confessing my sin isn't enough. When the Bible declares, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, I am so happy today. I have failed God over and over and over again. But I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank God that I don't have to try to convince God to forgive me. Don't fall into that trap. Just recognize, God, I'm coming to you unworthy. And I'm coming to you simply because my faith is in the blood of Jesus Christ, your son. That his blood is still effective today to cleanse away all of our sins. Blessed be his wonderful name. And that's why communion proclaims why we believe in Jesus Christ. Because unlike then, where I had to continue offering animal sacrifices, now the sacrifice has been made once and for all in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his precious blood. Are you with me so far? So then we had God's people follow the written law. Now, God's people follow the law that's written in their heart. Then, we, we, we had animal sacrifices were required for cleansing away of sin. But now, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses away 
sin. One more. Then, there was no access to God. Man was not able to approach the most holy God. You remember that when the tabernacle was established, there were two basic compartments. There was the holy, of, uh, the holy place, and that was where all of the, the showbread was put in. That's where the lamp was put in, and the high priest can go in there, and the other priest can go in there, and they could minister. We learned this past Wednesday that that's where uh, Zachariah was in when he went to offer up the incense and the things that were required in there uh, when the angel of the Lord met him. It was in the holy place. All the priests were allowed to enter into the holy place. But then there was the holy of holy place. That was where the presence of God was. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And it was separated by a veil from floor to ceiling, wall to wall. No one can go beyond that veil except the high priest and only once a year. So... Basically, what we're saying is, man, we had no access to God. But now, you and I have unlimited access to God. See, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7, but only the high priest ever entered the most holy place and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and the sins the people had committed in ignorance, right? Now, in Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 19 uh, with me. Let me go find it. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with the blood, with Christ's blood, to make us clean and our bodies have have been washed with pure water. So, then the high priest was only allowed to enter into the most holy place, God's presence, and only once a year, and he had to sprinkle blood going in. Now, in this new covenant, in this new agreement that God has with man, because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, he opened up a, a new way. He opened up unlimited access to God. And the word of God exhorts us to get in there boldly, to boldly come before God. Why? Because now the blood of Jesus has given us this unlimited access to the Father. We come before God. Not because we are righteous, but because of the blood of Jesus. You see. Now, why do we need to remember that? Well, back then, then the people, if they wanted something, they had to go to the high priest to go get to God. And somehow, some way, Many of God's people are still living in the then. You think 
that the high priest or can I just let me the pastor has special access to God that you do not. And therefore, when you want something from God, when you need something from God, you go to your pastor and ask him to go to God on your behalf. If you do that, if you live that way, you are living in the then, not in the now. Are you following me? What I'm talking about? I am no different than you are. I am no more special than you are. Every single child of God has unlimited access to Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, through the throne of God, not because you are good, not because you are righteous, not because you've earned it, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We all have unlimited access to God. And so I want to encourage you this morning because you may feel that there are times, again, once again, the accuser comes and tries to convince you that you can't go to God. You can't pray because look at how you've been living. Look at what you've been saying. Look at what you've been doing. And you think, well, because I'm not good enough, I can't go into God's presence. That's the living in the then. That goes all the way back to the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned and they heard God walking and God calling them and they felt that they couldn't go to God and they tried to hide from God because of their sin. That's the then. And many, sadly today, still hide from God. Still are hesitant in going to God in prayer because they feel unworthy. Can I give you a truth here? Listen, there is not one person in this room, beginning with the speaker, that's ever worthy to go in God's presence. None of us was born an angel. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him that you certainly were not born an angel. And today, guess what? You're still not an angel. Some of you are taking too much joy in saying that. None of us are ever in and of ourselves good enough, righteous enough to enter before God's holy presence, to earn God's presence. No, we come there because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are covered in that precious blood. Listen, when God sees you, he only sees the blood. He sees the blood. And that's why in communion, we proclaim we announce the Lord's death. Because of that precious blood, we have now been given unlimited access to God. Pastor Jason, if you would come, please. We're talking about then and now. The old covenant versus the new covenant. The Bible also, by the way, calls it a better covenant. Where now... Then we, we, we had to uh, follow all of these different uh, uh, cultures and rules and regulations given in the written old, uh, law in the Old Testament. But now we have this law that's written in our hearts that the Holy Spirit does in order to bring about transformation. And let me pause here and, go and reflect on this. Whenever we give the law, we give death. Listen to me now. 
Parents, a word to all my parents. Those of you watching online, a word to all my parents. It's important that you teach God, the ch your children God's word. That is accurate and right. However, it is just as critical that you pray that God takes the word that you are given and transforms it to the written word in their heart. Because, see, just giving the written word doesn't bring about transformation. It's got to come from the inside out. And so my encouragement to all parents and, and teachers of, the God, of God's word, we have to pray and believe God. I want you to write the word of God on our minds where we get understanding, true understanding. And in our hearts where our emotions and our will is impacted by that word. Because that is what brings about change in our life. A transformation where our character becomes more like the character of Christ. Then we had animal sacrifices. But now we have the blood of Jesus Christ. To gain of forgiveness for our sins. Then we had no access to God. But now, which by the way, when Jesus breathed his last on the cross, the Bible says that at that moment, that veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place was torn from top to bottom. And that's significant because it means that God did the tearing. Where the invitation from God is, would you come now? Don't hide from my presence. Come into my presence. That's why I sent my son to die on the cross for your sins so that your sins could be cleansed away and his blood makes a new way for us to enter into the very presence of God. Blessed be his wonderful name. Would you stand with us, please?